number of cases in Wales is now 199,155, with 5,121 deaths. Across Wales, 771,651 have received a first dose of COVID-19 and 4,573 with the second dose. In Hewell Dar, the health board has administered 81,562 vaccinations up until February 10th. That's 39,485 in Carmarthenshire, 24,447 in Pembrokeshire and 14,621 in Ceredigion. Dr. Diri Shankar, Incident Director for the COVID-19 Outbreak Response at Public Health Wales, has said, We welcome the news that the vaccination programme in Wales, carried out by the Welsh Government and the local health boards, has reached the significant milestone of 20% of the population having had their first dose of the vaccination. This is a great achievement and is a big step towards ensuring the reduction of serious illness and deaths from the coronavirus. Vaccinating the adult population of Wales to protect people from severe disease is a significant task and the vaccine will take time to reach everyone. The effects of the vaccines may not be seen nationally for some time and everyone, including those who have been vaccinated, must continue to follow the advice on keeping Wales safe. Although the data currently shows that on an all-Wales level the number of cases are reducing and that the incidence is now below 100 cases per 100,000 of the population, the rate in some areas, particularly in North Wales, are still at nearly double that and there have been small increases in others. It is encouraging to see that the numbers of people being treated for coronavirus in our hospitals is reducing but there are still a large number of people who are extremely ill which means that the pressure on services is still very high. Dr Shankar continued saying that all of Wales remains in lockdown. We recognise that complying with the restrictions can be challenging but coronavirus is still active in our communities and can cause severe illness and death. The reduction in the number of cases does not mean that people can meet people from other households apart from one person for socially distanced exercise as this can cause the virus to spread. As a nation, we have made so many sacrifices throughout the course of the pandemic that we really don't want to squander the gains that have been made in recent weeks. We encourage everyone, whatever their background, socio-demographic and ethnicity, to have the coronavirus vaccine when they are offered it. We also stress the importance of seeking information from a trusted source such as Public Health Wales, the Welsh Government, the local health boards or your GP. I'm Charlie James and you're up to date on Pure West. West is best on Pure West Radio. Show me. 
It's the weekend and blinding lights on Pure West Radio. A very good evening. I'm Ben Stone. Welcome to Pure West Sport with G&G Builders. Find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. We have got a really busy show coming up for you this evening. After eight, we are live on the Pure West Radio Facebook page. In the first hour, we're going to hear from two referees. One's a local Pembrokeshire ref called James Olliott. He's been talking to Fraser Watson. And we're going to delve back through the archives and hear Bill Kahn meeting Nigel Owens. Six Nations is really missing Nigel this time around, of course. And we'll be hearing in the first hour from Pembrokeshire adventurer Gareth Reynolds from Dale, who's just rode solo 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean. Gareth's been speaking to Fraser and... And we'll hear more on that in the first hour. On the way after eight, we've got ex-Narbuth rugby player Clive James joining us. He's the father to Welsh football international Ang Harrod. And after 8.30, former Arsenal, West Ham and Wales striker John Hartson is our special guest live on the Pure West Radio Facebook page. It's all to come between now and nine o'clock as we bring you Pure West Sport. Very good evening and welcome to the show. It's Monday evening and it's Pure West Sport. And let's get straight on to looking back at the headlines from the Six Nations matches that were played over the weekend. Gordon Thomas has joined me right now to have a chat about those. Evening, Gordon. How are you? Good evening, Ben. What a weekend it was. Some gripping rugby. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. We'll talk about it now as well. Yeah, indeed it was. There, there was there were some good matches. And I think we should start at Murrayfield where Wales fought and maybe a new Six Nations star came of age at Murrayfield in that 25-24 win. What did you make of that, Gordon? Uh, it was an incredible game at Murrayfield, especially for the neutral, Ben. I mean, Scotland dominated for the first half, let's be honest, and they led 17-8. Uh, they could have easily had a few more points as well. But the game all turned when um, uh, when Ferguson got sent off, didn't it? It was similar to last week's Ireland game where Omani got sent off, clearing out in the ruck. But uh, Ferguson came into a ruck and, and, and led with his shoulder and he caught Wynne Jones in the head. And... Um, you know, it, it looked a bit innocuous, and I know the pundits on telly, especially Warburton, was a little bit, uh, he didn't, it was thought it was a bit harsh sending him off. But we spoke about this last week on the show, but any connection to a player's head, whether it's intent or not, it's, it's dangerous yeah. play. So the referee had no alternative, in my humble opinion, but to send him off. Uh, I don't think he did it intentionally. There was no malice. It was just he was trying to clear out and he made contact with Wynne Jones's head. Well, that definitely was a turning point in Wales's favour. Um, you know, Scotland went down to 14 men. 
and Wales sort of raised their game. Uh, the young star at the moment, uh, Rhys Zamet, made a beautiful break in midfield to set up Liam Williams for a try. Uh, then, you know, five or ten minutes later, he was put away uh, in the corner and he showed a, a real maturity. He, he, he didn't just pin his ears to go for the corner. He did a lovely jink inside uh, his opponent and, and made sure he scored the five points. Excellent. But then, you know, Stuart Hogg of Scotland, the captain, was in a magnificent form as well. I have to say Scotland were brave. They attacked. They got upfield. They um, spread the ball to the right. And Hogg came in perfectly and, and got in at the corner to put Scotland, you know, right back in it. And uh, at that point, you didn't know whether Wales or Scotland were going to win it. But then that lovely bit of magic from uh, Rhys Samet at the end when he was put away on the right wing. He looked ahead, chipped ahead, and he knew exactly what he was doing. And his pace took him past the Scotland defence and he gathered and dived over for a, a winning try. What a day for the teenager and what a day for Wayne Pivak, who must be absolutely delighted to have beaten Scotland and Ireland in their first two games. Next up, England. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Reece Samet looks a real star. We'll talk more about Wales after eight, Gordon, with uh, Bill and Fraser and Clive James, former Narbeth player as well, who's, who's going to be joining us. No doubt that was a, a really good win. Uh, what about the other two? A, a win for England in the end with some bonus points. They, they made hard work of the, the opening exchanges, but a 41-18 win and a narrow win for the team you tipped to win the whole thing, which is France. They went to Ireland and won 15-13, Gordon. What, what did you make of the other teams well, this England needed a confidence boost and uh, they certainly got it against uh, Italy. Although Italy started well, they scored an early try, but England soon um, got into their stride and they led 20 uh, points to eight at half time. Um, second half was a little bit easier. They coasted. Uh, they ran in six tries, Ben, and uh, winger Watson led the, the try fest with two uh, long range tries. He showed his paces, to be fair. Um, Owen Farrell, who played, uh, you know, back at 12 in this game, but was kicking, he kicked four conversions and a penalty. Uh, Italy were all always struggling to, to, to get the ball. I thought young Varney did well again from Pembrokeshire, the scrum half. He, he, he played his part. He only played for about an hour, but what he did was... He did fine. He was excellent. Um, as for France, I tipped for them for the uh, the championship win to, to go to the Aviva Stadium and win uh, 15-13. Uh, it's always a difficult place to go and win, but France have really matured into a you know a strong unit as well. They led 10-3 by halftime and um, they, they, they were powerful. But I have to give credit to Ireland, even though we, we didn't expect them to lose their first two games. Obviously, they were affected by last week's uh, desperate loss against Wales in those circumstances. Yep. But, you know, um, O'Farrell, uh, Farrell's dad, he, he got him firing on all cylinders again. 
and uh, they they fought back. And at one point, I thought they were going to nick it, but France showed their composure by uh, you know seeing out the game, and they won by just two points. But those two points are very very important. It's given them two wins. Yes. And now they play Scotland at home in two weeks' time, which will be a hard hard game for the Scots because France are now snipping the championship. They know they've done you know a lot of hard work, and uh, home territory will be a big big plus for them. Uh, you know against Scotland in two weeks' time. Yeah. So I'm still expecting them to go on to win the the championship, Ben. But. There's no game given at this, uh, you know, level. Italy seems to be struggling. They are struggling against the big, uh, bigger boys, but all the rest are really close. Uh, You you can't, uh, you know, there's fine lines to win international rugby and it's proved that over the last two rounds. And round three, I can see, can be just as close as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Wales, England, small matter of that game to come in Cardiff as well. Uh, Gordon, thank you very much indeed for now. Uh, You're back with us after eight o'clock. We'll be live on the Pure West Radio Facebook page. More on the Six Nations to come uh, with Bill, Gordon and Fraser and our special guest, Clive James, who is a former Narbeth RFC player with some views on the Six Nations as well. Gordon, thank you very much for now. This is Pure West Sport. Ah, enemy ahead. Fire. Oh, where? I can't see them. Right there. Fire. Oh, man, you missed again. You need to get your eyes tested. Nah, mate. I ain't got the cash for that. You're in college. You can get an eye test for free. Really? From where? I'm with Mags Optics. They're in the Riverside Arcade in Halford West. Sick. I'll check it out. Eye tests are free for children under 16 and those aged 16 to 18 who are in full-time education. Glasses up to £85 are free for students aged 18 and under with an NHS voucher. Call Paul, Tina and the team on 01437 767744 or go to magsoptics.co.uk to book an appointment. Mags Optics are the proud sponsors of The Gaming Show on Pure West Radio. At KO Carpets, you know quality is assured. We've been your local family-run business for over 40 years. We're widely recognised as Pembrokes' leading supplier of domestic and contract flooring. We provide full end-to-end service, free measures and estimates, free delivery and free fitting by our professional team of highly skilled fitters. Come and see us at Vine Road, Johnston, or drop us an email, sales at kocarpets.com. We're a knockout at flooring. Do you need a cash loan? Loans at Home could help. We offer loans of between £100 and £600 and have over 60 years of experience of helping people in the Pembrokeshire area and beyond. Go online at loansathome.co.uk to get a decision in principle now. Compare the price of home collected and other cash loans available in your area at www.lenderscompare.org.uk. Representative 466.4% APR. Loan subject to affordability. This is Pure West Radio.
between right and wrong I ain't gonna do nothing to break up our happy home Oh, don't get so excited when I come home a little late at night Cause we only act like children when we argue, fuss and fight West Radio with Simply Red for a Monday evening. I'm Ben Stone. This is Pure West Sport with G&G Builders, a Pembrokeshire-based business that's been around for more than 30 years. Find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. Really pleased to be joined now by Fraser Watson. And we were hoping we'd be looking back on a Swansea win, continuing their really good form from the weekend as we talk football with Fraser right now. But unfortunately, the trip to Sheffield Wednesday was postponed quite late on due to a frozen pitch, Fraser. Yes, I think that would have irritated Steve Cooper because you, you don't want others to get ahead or steal a march or get points on the board. And I think I think we've probably affected the way he selected his side against Manchester City the previous Wednesday, but mm. that's gone anyway. It was actually an interesting weekend in the Championship from a Swansea point of view, even without playing. Um, Brentford using yesterday to Barnsley, a big surprise that Brentford's long and beating run come to an end. That puts Swansea now within touching distance of top place. They've got two games in hand on both Norwich and Brentford. Norwich did win well, of course, they beat Stoke, but if Swansea win both those games in hand, they will be top outright. Um, so it opened up a bit. Reading below Swansea losing as well, but on the other hand, Watford closed the gap by three points. A very good 6-1 win for them. They look very mm. impressive. So still a long way to go in it. And Cardiff City, who we were talking about potential relegation candidates six weeks ago, are now up to seventh and only six points off the playoff and mm. going well in the McCarthy, aren't they? Four unbeaten since he took charge. 
Swansea's attention now will turn to Wednesday night, Nottingham yeah. Forest at home at the Liberty Stadium. No danger of that one being uh, frozen off, I don't think, but they'll be looking to, to get a win, really, having missed out on playing this weekend, Fraser. Well, having been in the Manchester City game last Wednesday, I tell you, it might be a chance of being frozen off or a chance of me being frozen out. That's yeah. No, I mean, Swansea actually beat on the Forest 5-1 in the game we covered, didn't we? With Liam Cullen scored those two goals, but I don't think that'll have any bearing on, on tomorrow, what's, on Wednesday night whatsoever. Um, since that game, actually, Forest have only conceded once and gone a full game and beat and run. Creditable draw, nil-nil with Bournemouth on the weekend. They've really picked up. Chris Hutton, you always thought there would be an initial bounce over it, under him. Didn't quite come, but he's certainly got them organised now. So it'll be a much more difficult game this time around. And it'll be a different Forest team. I think they made nine or ten changes last time we come to Swansea mm. as well. Special guest with us after eight is John Hartson. I think one question we might have to ask him, Fraser, is something we touched on on Pure West Sport on Saturday, and it's do Wales have a problem with Gareth Bale and do Tottenham have a problem with him? Bale came on uh, for Spurs on Saturday tea time. Spurs lost 3-0, maybe flattered City a little bit. There was some big individual mistakes, but I thought Bale actually looked a bit sharper when he came on and there was one moment in the second half when he went around a couple of City defenders and, and shot over but you think was that just a glimpse of the old Gareth Bale what did you think? He looked lively you know I thought so it's a start back to him isn't it? he needs to get in playing regular games again I think he will get starts despite whatever indifference Mourinho might have shown within publicly lately because Spurs do have a glut of games coming up this is obviously the League Cup final they're going to have those Europa Leagues you know, for as long as they stay, stay in that they'll you know, be talking an extra potentially eight to ten fixtures, depending on how far they go. So they are going to need to use Gareth Bale. And you hope now this is the time he does find the form and fitness, which he really needs ahead of the Euros. But, I mean, it was a difficult time to come on because the game was gone, as you said. Um, Manchester City was such good form at the moment. The scoreline might have flattered them, you say that, but they, they are pulling out those performances at the moment. They're just a level above everyone else, you know, and, and they're pulling out those results. And if you're off the ball against them at the moment for five to 10, 15 minutes, like Liverpool were the previous Sunday, they take you apart, don't they? So, no, it was good to see Bale come on. It was good to see him looking a bit sharper and we just hope now he can, he can have a bit more game time, really. Yeah, indeed. And below City, I think City are just walking away with it and they're by far the best side in the league right now. Below yeah. them, no one else seems to want to take those those places, do they? Man, you slipped up. Liverpool slipped up at Leicester, who, if anything, look, look the next best team, don't they? Brendan Rodgers is an excellent technical coach. We know that he gets his team playing good football. It was interesting, actually, last year when Liverpool played at Leicester, they were ruthlessly exposed because he refused to, to back down and he went and tried to take Liverpool on at their own game and, and Liverpool just tore them apart at the back. It was interesting on Saturday. It's almost a change, change of his philosophy. He went and sat tight. He knew Jamie Vardy would get in behind, mm. tapping twice in the first half, and then it all unraveled quite spectacularly for Liverpool didn't quite late on, really, didn't it? It was a bizarre period. And there's certainly issues in Liverpool at the moment. I, I don't think it's, it is quite the crisis people have made out. They've been at an extremely high level and an extremely intense two and a half years before this. We may be seeing a bit of a natural lull and with the injuries, but it, at, at the same time, they'll be very disappointed with the nature of the goals they're giving mm. away. And they've really lost the spark in attack as well. But you're right, Manchester United, very uninspired against West Brom. Spurs, as you say, in poor form of late. So it could well be Leicester. And you're looking at maybe someone like them or Everton. have got a really chance to pounce now, a chance to like, mm. cement the top four place, because it might not be this random next year. <laughs> no. And I think it's, it's a chance for a few teams to capitalise. But I do agree with you. Below Manchester City, no one's really convincing at the moment. And the league title's over, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think you're quite right. It's City's title and I think it's all about who finishes below them. Fraser, thank you very much indeed. He's back with us live on the Facebook page after eight. He's also done a couple of interviews for us this week, uh, talking to the Dale adventurer, Gareth Reynolds, who's just completed a solo row, 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean. And next, we're going to meet a Pembrokeshire referee, James Olliott. Been talking to Fraser about how he's missing the game and his involvement as the COVID-19 regulations continue to be in place. That's next for Monday evening on Pure West Sport. I took a bite out of mountain range Thought my teeth would break the mountain Let's go, I wanna go All the way to the horizon I took a drink out of the ocean and Treading water there before a drown Let's dive, I wanna dive To the bottom of the ocean I took a ride, I took a ride I wouldn't go there without you Let's take a ride, we'll take a ride I wouldn't leave here without you I am a mountain I am the sea You can't take that
It's Biffy Cairo for a Monday evening on Pure West Radio. Former West Ham, Arsenal and Wales striker John Hartson is with us after 8.30 on the show. And that chat will be live on the Facebook page. Any questions for John, do leave them on the Facebook page and you can get involved, as always, using the hashtag PureWestSport. But Fraser Watson was with us just now and this week he's been talking to a local football referee who, like players around the county, is also missing his weekly dose of refereeing action. Well, we've talked a lot on Pure West Sports Show about the players and the coaches within Pembrokeshire football at the moment. They're missing action. But of course, one thing we haven't really spoken about is the referees who are also itching to be back out there as well. And I'm joined by one esteemed official from Pembrokeshire now, James Olliott. James, very good referee, took charge of the 2018 Senior Cup final in Haken, Big Clarbiston Road. And James, I've got to ask you, are you missing being out there? Absolutely, Fraser. It's um, it's really weird on a Saturday afternoon, as you can imagine. Since a, a young boy, I've been involved in sport, in football and cricket. And when my playing days were over, I thought I've still got to be involved. And I, uh, one of the ways was to referee. We love the camaraderie with the players and the fans. Sometimes, obviously, you know that the, the comments can be quite close to the bone. But well, we'll come on to that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're quite uh, thick-skinned and, and we really enjoy it because we enjoy the game as much as the players do. So for us to be sort of a, a put on a furlough in, in a sense... Uh, it's really hard work because Saturday afternoons really aren't the same. I can tell you, I still know that my last game was the 7th of March in 2020, and it was Division 2 Milford United Lorraine, and it was a 3 all epic draw with Lorraine <laughs> equalising in the last minute. So uh, that, that's how much I that I know what my last game was and I can't wait for the next one to come. Well, we, we hope you are back out there soon, safely, of course, but um, let's not pretend there isn't plenty of you referees to analyse at the moment because um, <laughs> it's officiating is in the news constantly at the moment. I'm going to ask Definitely you, James, is. about this concept of VAR at the moment. It, it, it was almost much sought after. We all called for it. We all said technology was needed and why weren't we using it and we were wasting the opportunity. And now it's here, it's causing so much uproar. What's, what's your take on it, James? Because the, the abiding feeling seems to be it's not getting things right. No, well, you're quite right there, Fraser. We, we all wanted uh, VAR. We all sat there and watched the pundits on Match of the Day every uh, Saturday night, really slating the officials for being human and making mistakes and calling for computer technology. Um, and then when it's come in, obviously those same pundits are now saying that the technology isn't fit for purpose. And I think if you were, um, as a, an official and a player, you often see that it's the feeling of the game also comes into the decisions that are made. And because now a computer doesn't have those feelings or those expressions, it's very difficult. The decisions are very black and white now, aren't they? The offside rules, the, the line yeah. is drawn and, and it's there. Whereas if you've got the human assistant referee, they've obviously got that sort of tolerance zone that they can look at the spirit and think well now there's only the elbow that's over or or something like that but the computer doesn't have that sort of tolerance zone, does it? So it's it's a big issue there, really, isn't it? I mean, you've mentioned the emotional side of it there, James, and I'm interested, where, where do you think the line is between taking the emotion out of football and getting decisions right? And I'm going to give you an example, and I, I know full well as, a, as an Everton fan, you would have seen this. Um, it was the Calvert-Lewin goal in the 95th minute against Manchester United last Saturday. You know, yeah. a, a dramatic moment, really, wasn't it? You know, in any normal circumstances, you have the away section there going wild and you'd have people at home jumping about on their sofa. But the fact <laughs> is, I watched that, I enjoyed a great game, and as soon as the ball hit the net, I hesitated, right? Because I knew yes. there was a slightly fine line as Calvert-Lewin went through. I knew Manchester United were appealing for something, and even though the goal had been given, I knew we were about to have a long pause. I felt the same on Wednesday night when... Um, 
Everton took a 5-4 lead in extra time against Spurs. Now, that should have been a classic FA Cup tie, an iconic moment. Again, I paused because I could see the Spurs players appealing and I thought, here we go, we're going to have a long delay here. You know, is this system now being too picky? Is it taking the joy and the emotion out of football or is that necessary? Is it more important that we get everything right? Well, firstly, can I just say that um, we only did to Man United what they've done to other teams in the, in yeah. the past. Very true, yeah. <laughs> with, with the Fergie time. I, I didn't say I was sympathising, don't worry. <laughs> I totally get what you're saying about the, the emotion. It is that you, you pause and it's almost like you can't celebrate and you see it all over Twitter, don't you, that people are saying it's taken that raw emotion where you are bouncing around the room out. And I think this is something, you know, when you, when you look at football, it's a, it's a very quick game. The sort of video technology works in a game like cricket because there's a stop straight away where you can analyse and, and it doesn't affect the play. But with football, and you know, you look at the offsides where they carry on for another phase to see if the goal's scored first just in case they've made a mistake. It's, it takes a lot of the emotion out because, uh, and it's, it's very difficult, isn't it, to, to have that fine line between having the technology. And I think technology really doesn't work in football in that sense because it is so fast-paced and the phases go uh, blend into one another quite quickly. It, it's very hard and difficult, whereas, as I say, in cricket or even to an extent in rugby, you've got the different phases that you can you can go back to with the, the TMO or, or the third umpire. See? Okay, and then just coming on from that, obviously we've just been almost a sad situation. Quite harrowing news, really, to hear about Mike Dean. He was largely seen to have made a mistake on VAR last week. I, I thought the same, I won't lie, but then that's been followed by, by despicable actions, hasn't it? He's, he's had death threats, he's affected his family and so on. And yeah. I, James, you're obviously a grassroots level referee but you know I guess like every every other official just like any other footballer you all dream about going to the top level you'd like to do higher level be offered big games but then it seems to me in refereeing the higher you go up the ladder the more you open yourself up for abuse you know what what what's in it for refs now what's in it for people like you who unlike Mike Dean and I'm, I'm not saying this should make a difference to his treatment don't get paid big money to do what you do and yet you still get abuse you still get the comments maybe not to that extent but what makes it worth it for you? Well, it, it, to be honest with you, Fraser, when you say about the comments, and let's, let's be really clear, it is a small minority of people that are like that. And you know, travelling around the football clubs of Pembrokeshire, mm -hmm. that 97, 98% of the people there are there because they love football, they want a game on a Saturday afternoon. They want their teams to win, definitely, but they, they are there because they love football and there's camaraderie between the different clubs all around the area. And so I, I would say that whilst... Yes, we do get these uh, threats. Very rarely, I've got to, got to say, they, it is a minority because the people, the main focus of the people is the love of the game. And you say, what's in it for a referee? And it's exactly the same thing. I love my game of football and uh, I couldn't play any longer because of uh, knees and ankles. So there were, I, I still wanted to be involved and I wanted games to still be involved. And without the referee, obviously, games can't go ahead. Absolutely. Um, and uh, it, it was one of the ways that I could give something back to the sport that I love. To be honest with you, as referees, we've all got a sense of humour as well. Yeah. Most of the comments that come from the sidelines are very sort of tongue-in-cheek, aren't they? I listened to you on Twitter, uh, was watching you on Twitter last night, and you were talking about Connor Roberts' comments of the lines. But... Yeah, I, did, I didn't expect that to go quite so viral, I'll be honest. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's some tongue-in-cheek comments, and, and you get them, and, and you give something back. You know, I had a player, I won't mention what club is a very good club in Pembrokeshire who turned to me and uh, told me that I'd made a lot of mistakes in the game last season and I just uh, came straight back at him and said I'm looking at your past success rate mate what do you think about that <laughs> and he just and he turned and went okay Raph, fair enough fair enough
Good stuff from Fraser Watson and local Pembrokeshire referee James Olliott. It's Monday evening. I'm Ben Stone. Still to come before eight o'clock, we're going to hear from Gareth Reynolds from Dale, who's just rode solo 3,000 miles across the Atlantic. Fraser's been speaking to him about that challenge. We'll be hearing from him. Also going back through the archives with rugby ref Nigel Owens. And we'll check in with Bill Kahn before eight o'clock as well. All here on Pure West Radio. Patch is the Pure West Radio chosen charity of the year. Pembrokeshire Action to Combat Hardship, founded in June 2008. They cover the whole of Pembrokeshire and have two basic banks that give food, clothing, small household items, toiletries, cleaning products and a baby bank that's in Milford Haven and Pembroke Dock. And three food banks, Haverford West, Begelly and Tenby. They also help the lives of families in the festive season with their Christmas toy appeal. Last year, Patch gave toys to over 950 children. Listen every Wednesday at 5.40 to the Patch Update to find out the latest news with our chosen charity of the year here on Pure West Radio. This is Pure West Radio. I love you. Show me.
Deeply Red and Something Got Me Started on Pure West Radio. It's Monday evening. I'm Ben Stone, Pure West Sports with G&G Builders. We are live on the Facebook page after eight o'clock. A couple of guests joining us this evening, ex-Narbuth rugby player Clive James, dad of Ang Harrod James, Welsh football international, talking about Ang Harrod's career and also Clive's own views on the Six Nations weekend that's just gone and also the former Arsenal, West Ham and Wales striker John Hartston joins us after 8.30 as well. So plenty happening. But Fraser Watson's been busy this week and he managed to catch up with Gareth Reynolds, an adventurer from Dale, who's just rode solo 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean. Fraser managed to catch up with him to get some reaction. Well, Gareth, firstly, congratulations having rode 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean. I gather you're now out in a, out in Antigua. Not quite recreational. How's the body doing to start with? <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, body's actually not too bad, though. I just um, had a couple of days before I could walk straight, and I've got a, yeah, a few um, back issues and the hands don't work properly. I can't grip anything properly but over the next month or two they should all get back to normal most people reckon a couple of months and you're pretty uh, fighting fit again so get back in training once I get back I'm just catching up on all the lost calories at the moment <laughs> I know I know before you went out we spoke Gareth and we spoke about on a serious note what a test of physical and mental endurance this would be for you um, Fisher did you have any difficult moments out there was there any time where you had doubt in your mind that you were going to make this yeah it was a really really tough year it was it was tough anyway but um conditions we had were I think general consensus amongst the organisers and people that have done it before is that we had a bit of a uh, bit of a nightmare year with the conditions just against us for three or four weeks in the middle there never really, never really doubted that I was gonna gonna do it but there were quite a few times I had to sit down and have a little word with myself <laughs> to, uh, to, to crack on and um, get yourself powering through those really hard days I mean it was obviously some very lonely moments out there for you but you were we could see via the Atlantic Dragon Facebook page which I think we all followed that you were providing updates you did have we were able to have contact of sort with people back home did that lift you at all? Oh massively yeah I, it was really nice actually because I thought we had these sat phones we weren't really sure how well they were going to work when we were out there I thought I might have contact every like once a week or something but I ended up being able to call whenever I wanted so I had uh, like a weather update each morning and then I'd call uh, call family and friends pretty, kind of all the way through, really. So it was like uh, give myself a little treat, something to look forward to at the end of the day was make a little phone call and uh, say hello to people from the ocean. And I think everyone at home quite enjoyed that as well. So it was, uh, it was re- really nice to be able to keep in touch. The technology these days is mad. I mean, Gareth, you didn't do this just for the fun of it, obviously, but there is um, there is a poignant reason, obviously, as to why you're out there. For, for those who are listening right now, can you just explain um, what the cause was and what you were raising money for and, of course, why? Yeah, so the um, kind of the underlying cause behind it all was to try and raise a hundred thousand pound for the MS Society, and at the moment they're doing this Stop MS Appeal, which is to raise trying to raise a hundred million towards the the fight against multiple sclerosis, and they they do think this hundred million would go a long way towards either curing some types or definitely um, some like pioneering treatments to really stop people suffering um, from certain types of the. The disease, so it's a, yeah, it seemed a really good cause, and it was uh, especially once I started working with the charities, affects so many people that I know that um, are close to me and family, friends, and further afield, and it's just been they've kind of embraced me as part of their community, and we're 
just online alone now we're, we're just about to tip over the forty thousand pound mark we're still trying to raise a few more a few hundred quid more just to get over that and then we've got all the other fundraising that's gone on before that over the last couple of years so we're not we're not going to quite hit our target because we haven't had any of the big events yet but i think we're going to be well over the sixty thousand pound mark at the moment and we'll keep on keep on trying to push towards that hundred thousand pound over the next few months now and that's important to, to mention isn't it that you do have more fundraising events planned which couldn't take place before this challenge because of obviously covid19 and which like you say will raise a lot more money but i am intrigued to know gareth is this once visited never again or, or is this giving you a thirst to take on this kind of challenge again do you know what, I don't know, when you're out there, I swore the whole time I was out there that I wouldn't do it again. Especially <laughs> <laughs> on those really tough days, but it's one of those things, you arrive and then you have this amazing arrival here and you do all your um, celebrations and stuff. It's, it's It's been really quiet this year because um, nothing's open in Antigua. It's very much a case of back to your hotel room and a few of the resorts have got like rowers in but apart from that it's dead so i think normally you'd have an incredible reception in a few weeks apart but it's been quite nice to have a quiet time so i think i don't know since then me and a couple of the well especially one of the other solos we talked to toyed with the idea of doing like a pairs adventure maybe not the same thing but like a, another expedition or something uh, something pretty extreme but i think i promised myself i'm not going to do anything for at least six months <laughs> just to uh, properly recover before i even start planning anything because the last two years have been a, a stressful couple of years trying to pull all the funding together and all the organization it takes a lot to uh, organize an atlantic crossing especially in a little rowboat so it's um yeah, just definitely going to make sure I stick to that that break before anything else. Well, I, um, I'm going to take you back now to finish off to a quote that you told me before you set off. I was stuck in a rut. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I was stuck in a rut and wanted an adventure, so I was trawling through YouTube and came across this, as you do. At that point, I'd only tried rowing a couple of times when I was young, so it seemed like a mad idea, but for some reason it stuck in my head. Well, firstly, I gather you're now out of that rut <laughs> that, that you, yes. you, claim, you claim you're in, and uh, having only tried rowing a couple of times before i'd like to think you're pretty accomplished and experienced in it now do you see it like that <laughs> yeah i'd say um i was i still don't reckon i've got the best rowing technique in the world but i say i've definitely put my uh hard miles in and they but yeah the, cha- the challenge kind of did everything i'd wanted it to do really it kind of especially over the whole um all the lockdowns we've had it it gave me a focus all through those um couple of years when everyone's been struggling it gave me this real focus at the end of when i was out there it just yeah the not having any technology and just being out on the ocean on your own for two months it just gave me this like almost like a mental reset yeah did exactly what it was meant to do proper sense of adventure proper uh all the adrenaline everything i kind of pictured i wanted from it it's given me so yeah it's definitely done the done the trick for now well yeah i think three thousand miles across the atlantic ocean does a does equate to putting in the hard yards i would i'll agree <laughs> with you there so well enjoy the rest of your stay out there gareth I hope you're getting your sleep pattern back to normal and, and physically you're getting back to normal as well and we look forward to, to talking to you very soon and congratulations on really a fantastic achievement oh thanks fraser i look forward to having a, a chat to you again when i get back now no problem thank you gareth phenomenal achievement from gareth reynolds from dale speaking there to pure west radio's fraser watson and very pleased to say as well that gareth will be joining us live on the show next monday after eight o'clock that video will be on the facebook page as well and you can ask him any questions and we'll be talking more about that incredible feat of endurance an amazing achievement on the way next we are going to go back through the archives already heard from a Pembrokeshire football referee in James Olliott our archive interview this week is with Nigel Owens the Six Nations 
is missing, Nigel. There's no doubt about it. So we're going to be hearing an interview he did with our own Bill Khan. And Bill's going to join me for a chat as well. And don't forget, 8 till 9 is live on the Pure West Radio Facebook page. Pleasure to be with you this Monday evening on Pure West Sport. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. There was something so pleasant about that place. Even your emotions have an echo in so much space. And when you're out there without care, yeah, I was out of. Pure West Sport. That was Niles Barkley and Crazy. We are live on the Facebook page after eight o'clock. Clive James joining us and John Hartson with us after 8.30. But Bill Kahn is with me now because we are going to go back through the archives. And as this Six Nations campaign continues, Bill, it was an exciting weekend. One man who's been missing is the referee, Nigel Owens. And you actually interviewed him a good few years back when he was in Nayland. You actually interviewed him three different times. And each time he's very accommodated, very accommodating, very polite, very knowledgeable, likes a cup of coffee and a chat, which we shared in Nayland. And uh, he knows this stuff better than any. As a rugby referee, I think he's been the top. There's no doubt about that. There was a lovely programme on last week on the television, which I enjoyed, where Adam on um, 
country file had gone down to Nigel's new farm where he's breeding Herefords and um, had a long chat in there. It was really like a breath of fresh air to see him there. And he's obviously enjoying that. He must miss the that competitive edge. Mm. But that night when he spoke in Nayland, very forthright, not afraid to express opinions about the world game, about the, the you know the Six Nations and Wales' performances. Very interesting fella. I've plenty to say. Well, let's have a listen. We're going to go back through the archives again right now. And we're going to hear from Nigel talking to Bill uh, in Nayland, as as Bill just said. And and Bill started by asking him uh, whether he was surprised about his career and how it's developed over the years. No, I didn't, to be honest with you, because when I was in Manikari, it was pretty more of a soccer village than a rugby yeah. village, really, because in a small village, and then, you know, when you was only about four or five or six of you, sort of boys around my age and stuff like that, it's much easier to kick a football about than mm. it's four or five you and have a game and a game of rugby. We played a bit of rugby as well, but um, and also played football and soccer um, most of the time. My dad played soccer for Manikari as well. So, no, I never never thought about it. And refereeing just happened by chance, to be honest. They were just started when I was in school, when I was 16 years of age. When That's I, what I was going to ask yeah. you. Do you, know, do you remember your I first missed, game? Yeah, I, I, missed a, I missed a conversion kick when I was playing for school, playing full-back for the school. I missed a conversion <laughs> kick in school and um, and then landed up refereeing some school games because the sports teacher um, told me, God's sake, we're going to referee or something. And I, I did. had well. some refereeing school games. And, uh, yeah, I remember my first ever game at 16 years of age, out of the school environment, was um, down in Five Fields in Carmarthen. Um, it was uh, Carmarthen schools against Pembrokeshire under 15 schools in the, oh uh, in the old Drewers Shield. Yeah, yeah so I that was my it. first sort of competitive game outside refereeing sort of school games in school. You know? Good God. And from there you've gone, let's take you right to the other end, 2015 World Cup final. New Zealand and Australia. I mean, what are your memories of that? They must be momentous. Yeah, it was. It's a dream come true, really. And you know, privilege and honour. It's, it's the pinnacle of a refereeing yeah. career when you referee the the biggest game in world rugby, which only happens once every four years, and, and happened to be as well in, in in a brilliant tournament with such great rugby. The weather was brilliant as well, and you know, Australia, New Zealand. Bederslow Cup, that's a bit like England-Wales yeah, for us really, yeah, yeah. you know, so Bederslow Cup as well, happening to be in the final as well, it made it a bit more special again and um, it was it was a wonder, wonderful occasion, yeah, and um, really fond memories of um, probably not much about the game itself, no. I think it was the lead-up to the game, you know, and seeing the people in Money Kerrigs, you know, putting banners out and so proud and stuff like that and things in the club every night and stuff and... Um, and yeah, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience, really. And I, I haven't looked, I haven't looked at the final back yet. And I Good probably, God. yeah, I, I probably, I'll probably do that now when I finish a refereeing in a few years' time. I'll probably sit back then and look back at it again. But, but I haven't watched it back yet. I mean, that's quite amazing. But when you look back at, at all the stuff you've done, that's got to be the peak, I would assume. But you've you've refereed so many like European Cup finals. You've you know the number of Pro 12 that you've done. Uh, you, you must sometimes pinch yourself, do you? Well, yeah, I don't know if you pinch yourself sometimes, but yeah, you do. You do sort of feel privileged and lucky, really. You know, how honoured you are to be sort of part of this game to start off with and part of some of those wonderful occasions. And I suppose you've got the best seat in the house, I guess, when you're a referee. You know, apart from being in the action itself as a player, the next best thing is is you're in that action, you know, in the best seat in the stadium, being right next door to it. So um, I suppose I think think most people are probably pinch themselves and then realise what they've been very fortunate to be a part mm. of when, when they're no longer a part of think When you're mm. still involved in it, it's just sort of continuous all the time, mm. you know, of refereeing and, you know, starting the Six Nations back again next week you now when I'll be refereeing in France and, and Ireland. So it just keeps on going, really. So I suppose you'll sort of pinch yourself and sit back and realise what you've been a part of 
for 30 years now at the moment um, when you actually hang up the whistle I think yeah listen I'm a retired teacher and can I say thank you from the bottom of my heart because there's nothing I like better than seeing you on the pitch when you've got these big brutish South Africans French New Zealanders and they start telling you off and you treat them as if they're school kids and you've got that I know you're concerned about the creeping in of waving yellow cards and rubbish like that but thank you for all you do that because you don't have to make them feel shut up because this guy is going to tell me off you enjoy that I don't know what I'm going to say is I treat them like kids. No, I think you just when you're a referee, you're just, you're just firm and fair. But I you know I, your stuff. You've given yeah, me yeah, I, but I, I know. Yeah, I think it's, I don't think I'm not quite a big fan of using the terms treating people like kids. No, no you know, you treat kids with respect yeah. as well. But, yeah. but then as a teacher in, in this classroom, as a referee on the field, as a manager looking after a workforce, you have to be firm. You have yeah. to be fair, oh, but you yeah. have to be yeah. firm. And I think there's a difference between that, you know, and being condescending and treating yeah, people yeah, with disrespect. That, you... So, uh, so yeah, no, look, I'm just, just there to do, to do my job really to the best of my ability. Well, you do a great job. Listen, it's a joy to have you here in Nayland, and thank you for talking to us. Pleasure. Thank you very much. And that's our weekly look back through the archives. That's Bill Kahn interviewing Nigel Owens on a visit to Nayland a good few years ago. And I think the Six Nations is definitely missing Nigel. There's no doubt about that. We have got the news coming up at 8 o'clock on Pure West Radio. Between 8 and 9, we are live on the Facebook page. We'll be talking rugby with Clive James, father of Angharad James as well, who's a Wales football international. Clive himself is a former Narbeth RFC player. So we'll be talking to him about the Six Nations so far. Gordon, Bill and Fraser are with me and we'll be joined after 8.30 by the former Wales international striker, John Hartson. Any questions for John or Clive? Leave them on the Facebook page, hashtag Pure West Sport. But right now, it's time for the news at 8 o'clock. From Tempe to Tears Cross. For Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire, this is Pure West Radio. Charlie James and here's the latest for Pembrokeshire. 40 new cases of coronavirus were recorded in the Hewell Dart Health Board area on the latest Public Health Wales figures released yesterday. The figures showed 27 new cases in Carmarthenshire, 9 in Pembrokeshire and 4 in Ceredigion. Across Wales, 394 new cases have been confirmed and 15 new suspected COVID-19 deaths were reported by Public Health Wales. The total 